Hello, everyone, and welcome to Coffee with Convery. This is your host, Brian Convery, and my guest today is Devereaux Maharaj. Devereaux will be graduating from the University of Toronto, Mississauga, with a Bachelor of Arts in Economics and Political Science in 2022. Devereaux is a head research assistant for the economic history at University of Toronto. And this past summer, he was an intern with Shareholder Services, a team within RBC Investor and Treasury Services. Devra and I got our start a while back when we met at a networking event for Start Proud, where I learned that his fellow students and friends didn't come out to the event for fear of being outed and questioned by their family for attending such event. This really saddened me and upset me that this barrier was there, and therefore I invited Devra and I to partner up and to host a specific event for the LGBTQ+. Club at the University of Toronto, Mississauga, where his fellow colleagues and friends could come and feel safe and welcome to meet me and the early talent uh, campus recruitment team. Since then, Devro and I have remained in, in close contact and continued our relationship with the hopes of doing more for the 2S LGBTQ community now and in the future. In his spare time, Devro likes to bake bread, go on TikTok, can't wait to see some of those, <laughs> and watch historical documentaries. He's an avid lover of everything to do with cats and capoeiras, and is also a huge supporter of animal conservation. Devro, so great to see you today. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. And the other animal, other than cats, they are, they are capybaras. They are the world's largest rodents, and I would argue the world's cutest rodent that's based in uh, the Amazon rainforest. I was wondering <laughs> about that. So, yeah, I'm going to have to totally Google that and take a look. They sound... Sounds like an interesting, uh, interesting animal. Um, very cool. Very yes. cool. So, um, and TikTok, we'll have to talk a little bit more about that. But uh, to get us going and uh, warmed up for our audience and, and folks here that are listening today, um, let's do a few rapid fire questions. So, what is your most and favorite used emoji? So, my most used emoji would have to be that one where, like, you know, you give to the side. I like someone does something very rambunctious or says something dumb in front of you, and you look to your your friend on the side, like, "Girl, do you see that?" Um, <laughs> <laughs> that would <laughs> because the internet and TikTok people just do the most craziest things. So that's the most emoji I use. In terms of the least used emoji, I would have to say would be the frowny um, emoji because um, I just do my best to stay positive. Um, so yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. I love that. And I love the the eyes to the to the left or to the right. I love that one too. It's awesome. Um yeah. thinking about food and uh, such a foodie and I know you enjoy food as well as we've talked in the past different dishes, but if you had one favorite food that you or I guess one food you could only eat for the rest of your life, what would it be? It would have to be curry because it's not just native to the South Asian subcontinent because they have it in, in Africa, they have their own variations in Latin America, in East Asia, Southeast Asia, Western people have their own types of curries. So the definition of a curry is very, very broad. So I would have to say curry because there's literally an unlimited amount of combinations. So I would say that. Good choice, good choice. Uh, favorite way that you like to spend a day off? So on a day off, I would go to my best friend's place uh, downtown. She has two cats. Um, one is named Kuro, other one's named Hime, means black and um, princess respectively. And I just love going to her place 
and eating uh, good Korean food, she's Korean, and spending time with her and her cats and just playing with them the entire day. It's just very therapeutic. Nice, nice. And I, I, hey, so maybe the Korean food might take the curry for a run too. <laughs> So, oh, yes, it definitely will. <laughs> uh, thinking about snooze button or wake up immediately, what type of person do you, do you identify with? I guess. Oh, neither. I just, I just sleep and wake up until my body tells me it's no longer time to sleep. <laughs> oh, okay. I like that. I like that. So you don't rely on any types of alarms or anything. You just get up when you're ready. Natural awesome. alarm. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so this one I always ask, and then we'll kind of get into your back, your background and your story and, and share with the listeners a little bit about some of your experiences and lived experiences. Um, but favorite word, is there something that, you know, resonates well with you or that you'd like to say or um, something that means something to you? And do you have, do you have a favorite word? None that's podcast appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so we'll skip that one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now, um, you know, I've had, like I shared in the intro, um, the, the pleasure of, of meeting you and, um, and getting to know you and, and, and I thank you for, for all you've done and partnering up on different things with me events and, and just, just, just being an all around wonderful person and, and someone I really enjoy chatting with. But, um, as you, you know, think about our audience and our listeners that are students, maybe high school, university, um, making that transition for that first job or, you know, going through different things and experiences. I, could you share a little bit about, you know, kind of your journey on, on what you've been doing and some of the things you've made transitions through and maybe what you learned along the way? Just give people a little bit more background as to who you are and, and, and what you're all about. Yeah, of course. So, um, going from high school to um, university, or at least from from high school to the present, um, my transition. I've done like, like fifty, sixty transitions, right? I've worked in so many industries. I worked in in logistics. I worked in government. I worked in politics, a food distribution. Um, now in banking, because um, uh, of course I'm in RBC, um, and. The biggest takeaway, you know, that I've had from all these transitions, just very much in general, was that um, the basics matter, and they matter a lot more than um, than what most people really give them credit for. Because, um, and and the reason why I say, you know, the, the basics matter, um, is because the, the the longer it takes for you to learn the basics, the harder it is to actually master the basics. And what do I mean by the basics? I mean how to network, how to have a conversation. How to just simply talk to someone, how to make friends, how to find information or the resources that you were looking for, how to carry yourself. Uh, then, of course, there are more harder skills, how to make a resume, how to go and, I don't know, type up a proposal, these types of things. Um, so, so generally speaking, when it comes to transitions, um, the first thing, the one thing that I've always prioritized is the, 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 the development of these basic skills and trying to learn from each respective industry how these skills can help me get a long way within each respect within that industry right and then how I can learn from different industries and try to apply them to other ones but um so now that I've done with like you know the general statement in terms of you know my general journey and transition so I started off working in politics I worked at the House of Commons when um, Prime Minister Trudeau was just elected um, and I did a lot of field work there, a lot of community work. Um, and then from there, I joined um, Amazon working in the warehouse. 
Um, and I stayed with Amazon for three years. I started in the warehouse and then I made my way up to field sales and then up to corporate sales. Figured it wasn't for me, and then I moved on to um, to RBC. Um, but in between that, uh, those are like the big companies that I worked for. But in the middle, I worked at Lay's. I worked for the Rotman School of Management. I worked at the University of Toronto. I've done research, teaching assistant, right? I've done all these different roles. Um, and it, one of the biggest takeaway that I've gotten from all these experiences is that there's no such thing as having a plan in life. Because the moment or because the moment you have a plan, COVID-19 will come your way or something in your family will come your way or mental health or something. So so one of my biggest takeaways is to just don't have a plan. And if you do have a plan, just be very open minded because the world has a habit of throwing um, a whole bunch of challenges at you. Yeah, those are really some great, great insights and, and thoughts and ideas. And thank you for sharing that. I mean. You know, starting with the basics and then also to your point about the plan, I, I, I often hear often even this part of, you know, a career path um, from young people saying, I haven't had a job yet in my career path. And I say, I don't think I've ever had a job in my career path because I don't even know what it is. Right? It's yep. like, you got to be open and, and you've done some really wonderful and had some really wonderful experiences in all different areas and. Um, you know, assuming too from each of those experiences, you've learned something different and unique as well, right? Yep. Honestly, like there's a lot of knowledge I learned while putting uh, while merchandising chips for Lay's that I'm actively applying to my work here at RBC. So you never know what you will stumble upon and how it actually prepares you for the future. A hundred percent, hundred percent. And you know, just in terms of we tend to like want to call something something, but like transferable skills, right? Like what you're addressing and talking about is all these different transferable skills, but you're actually defining them and sharing with us in a way that's meaningful and understanding like how you were able to take that information, right? And and bring it to your next opportunity or that mindset. Yes, exactly. It's all about the mindset because like, you know, there's a lot of hurdles, especially that queer people or, or BIPOC people face in the workforce or in life. Um, in general, but when you have the mindset and when you have the brains and you have the skills, it will, and you want to, and you want it to happen and you manifest it, it will come to you. But again, you just need to be smart about it and you need to, um, not be greedy and you need to have a very open mind that it, that, that is all super key. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when you think about, um, you know, the things you've learned, the life experiences, the different opportunities you've had. Um, and then reflecting back on the formal education, do you do you feel there's something that you've learned that you wish maybe would be taught or or discussed in school that isn't? Yes. Yeah, so two things. So first of all, personal finance. Um, even though I study, you know, of course, you know, I study um, arts, economics, and political science with a specialist in economic history, um, and now working at a bank. All my friends in political science, or even some in economics and business, they come to me and they're asking, they're like, oh my God, what is a TFSA? What is an RRSP? How do I invest my money? What, what What's the stock market, right? So the first thing is, of course, personal finance. And I do know that some grounds have been uh, made um, with our curriculums. But another thing uh, that I think should be taught, um, well, as we're right now, this um, uh, this podcast is being recorded um, at the beginning of a snap election here in Canada, I think political economy should be taught to every person in school. And the reason why is I learned this in one of my uh, political science classes. One of my professors, uh, Professor David Wolf, he said that 
um, there are three things that control the fate of a nation, and those are ideas, interests, and institutions. And it's how those three things mingle and interact with each other that actually determine the success or lack thereof of a nation. And when we look at you know Canada or the United States or Europe, China, wherever, um, and how, let's just say, we uh, responded to COVID-19, it's all ideas, institutions, and interests. And I think that that's one thing that every Canadian or any person living in a democracy should understand. It's what are these three things? How do they interact? And how can we make progress in spite of or uh, or in, in spite of these three things? Or how can we um, leverage these three things to go and and uh, advance progress? So those are the the two things that I think should be taught in every school. It's yeah, great. Program. Yeah, great thoughts, great thoughts. And I I, I can't agree with you more. And I love love how you ended on that too. And the and the the personal finance um, to your point, it's. You know, it's it's something that you have to do in life. Yet you, it seems like we stumble through that. Whether it's someone we find like yourself who helps explain it to someone else, or it's you know your parent who may help you or not. I don't know, but it's 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 how you get successful with um, you know other parts of your life, and it's it's not always. And I'm glad that there it is starting to be addressed. And I know we do quite a bit of work around it too when we run workshops and things. But it's it's obviously such a meaningful skill and an understanding of how to take care of one's personal finances or you can mm -hmm. get in trouble. <laughs> if your money's not in order, your life will never be in order. That's true. That's a good way to say it. And your um, mental health will never be in order too. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. Debt and everything is not a good feeling. Um, so thinking now, and this is a part of the show where I like to get a little more personal and have um, our guests and, and you specifically, um, you know, share with our audience, you know, some of the challenges or obstacles or barriers or things that, you know, you may have experienced and, um, and how you move through those. Um, you know, a lot of times people sometimes feel like they're alone and, and COVID also has made people feel a lot more isolation on being the only one that might feel a certain way or experience something. But um, that's why I really, really appreciate this part of the show too, where, you know, it's, it's your story and, and whatever you want to share, but is there something you wanted to share with the audience about, you know, either a challenge or challenges and barriers and how you kind of worked yourself through those? Yeah, so I would have to say that the biggest challenge that I've had to date was actually, you know, building um, a new relationship that I had with my culture, right? Because I grew up at least being in the closet for so long. And it's from a lot of the, the stuff that I heard from cultural leaders, religious leaders, um, and even some people, you know, in my life personally that have said that, you know, that like, oh, um, queerism and um, or being queer and being Hindu or being West Indian, like they were incompatible. When like, I come from a West Indian background and the West Indies, Trinidad, Jamaica, Guyana, Suriname, those countries, they're not very, like, you know, very opening to LGBTQ people. And actually, a lot of non-Caribbean people are very surprised to hear this, but there's a genre of music in the West Indies called like murder songs. Um, and these are very violent songs and some of these songs, a good chunk of them actually talk about, you know, the killing and maiming of LGBTQ people. So that's so that's so, so growing up, you know, in a Western mm -hmm. background and growing up queer, this is what you're this is what I was surrounded with. Right. And for a right. while, I was very religious. And then growing up, I gradually became less religious because I started to know more about myself and I started to contrast my identity with that of you know, the way that um, people with my certain identity are treated within the community. And it became 
I had a toxic, very toxic relationship with my own culture, which was a huge shame because even though, you know, um, West Indian, we have thousands and thousands of years worth of history and culture. My family is a, it has an amazing story um, of how, you know, we came from India to the, to the Western world. And I wanted to, you know, embrace that. I wanted to be proud to be a queer West Indian person. Um, and, you know, it's a big process of unlearning. You need to unlearn the things that you've uh, been spoon fed and have been taught and told your whole life. And you essentially need to relearn it, but from a more objective point of view, right? You need to, um, I, I'm a massive academic. I love reading books and documentaries and stuff. Um, so you have to, so I, I try to engage with my culture again, but from a more academic sense, from a more personal sense, right? How do I, do I read religious texts? I, that's what I was doing, um, you know, looking at historical archives watching documentaries on, you know, um, on famous Indian people and, you know, and pivotal events in our history. And for the past seven, eight years, I've been completely rebuilding my relationship with my culture and meeting other queer people from BIPOC backgrounds. They went through very, very similar um, challenges that I have and um, professionally and personally, right? Because you kind of bottle so much stuff in you don't really, there's not that many resources to help you reconcile that and to help talk you through that and to really grow yourself personally and in turn professionally. So um, to help, you know, my peers and stuff deal with that, I started a, a Pride Alliance um, at my school at the University of Toronto, Mississauga called the Business and Economics Pride Alliance. And um, right, just as you said at the beginning, Brian, we had that event. <laughs> We, um, I got some of them to come out. We, we had a great time. We learned a lot about you. You learned a lot about my colleagues. Um, but beyond, you know, having the singular event, it was very hard to have repeated events because a lot of people were just simply scared to come out, right? They were scared to even make their presence known that they were at like a queer event, right? That's just kind of, that was the relationship that they had with themselves and with their own community and with their own situation. It was very... It, it was toxic, right? And sometimes <clears throat> it's hard to, like, we, I had to figure out a way to work through it, right? So the Business and Economics Pride Alliance didn't really work out. Um, but that said, like a chameleon, we had to evolve, right? So evolve to our surroundings. And I realized that the best way to help these people was to not by, you know, having grand old uh, events, as fun as they are, it wasn't necessarily that effective, but rather just to develop a good working relationship with them and to know more about them and their stories and their struggles and, and, you know, ask them what they need and then to just connect them with whatever resources they need. And because that's what some mentors, some of whom are actually current RBC employees, that's what they did for me. Um, and that's, and, you know, I'm all about service to the community. And so that's what I wanted to extend to these people who were really uh, struggling and were looking for those resources. Um, and so, of course, like I did the basics of, you know, introducing them to professionals, helping them network and stuff, but also, you know, sharing my journey about how I built um, a better relationship with my culture and my religion and hoping that that would help them. And it, and it has. And so it went from me being the only out person in my department. Now there being five or six people who, and we all know each other. We're all sharing stories and we're all starting um, queer um, projects together and really just getting more representation out there. And um, and so that's how I was able to overcome, and that's how I was able to help others try and overcome it. But one thing that I learned is that you never really overcome it. It always stays <laughs> at the back of your mind because it's just so 
when you when you've been raised and conditioned like that for so long it just sticks at the back of your mind and it's hard to shake off and you never get to shake it off but you just learn to live with it and that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of you know how i came to 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 like overcome it and like uh, live with it yeah wow thank you thank you very much for i i, I knew some of that um obviously through some of our conversations, but I think for our audience and for listeners that may be feeling the same, or you know, even the deep-rooted, um, you know, conversation you had around coming to, you know, coming to reality in terms of your own culture and what that meant and how to. You're right. It's like escapes the wrong word, um, but it's like you can't. It's always there, like you said, and like you really don't want to escape something either necessarily that's been deeply rooted in a part of who you are and identifying and. You know, if you think of, I don't know, I often think about it too, is like you, you self-identify as multiple things, right? It's intersectionality. And so sometimes yeah. when they conflict, it's, it's a battle because it may not necessarily be because you've created it, um, mm -hmm. but there's a battle there that's very hard to, you know, sometimes wrap your head around and it wears on people's mental health and, and their own sense of being. Yeah, exactly. And the importance that intersectional uh, intersectionality has on all of us, it's it's staggering, right? Like, uh, <laughs> I can't even get I don't even know where to start when it comes to intersectionality. But in terms of, like, you know, the resources that are available out there for people with intersectional identities, my case, it would be um, West Indian, queer. Um, those would be my intersectional identities. Yeah. Um, and there, there's no resources out there, right? And I'm sick and tired of there not being any resources. So I turn myself into a resource, right? And it's just yeah. not a matter of, of, of word of mouth to try and get other people to, you know, to come to me and to build that trusting relationship because it's all about trust. A lot of people with intersectional identities do not have much trust in society and in institutions, in the media. And that is actually one of the reasons to, to tie this into the COVID situation, why we see a lot of people with intersectional identities, why there's a lot of vaccine hesitancy amongst them. It ties into everything um, within our society, right? And even those things I talked about before, ideas, institutions, and interests, intersectionality, um, it, it operates in this immense, it doesn't operate in a vacuum. It operates by inter by um by interacting with every element of our society. And once you are in, have once you have these intersectional identities and you interact with society, you realize just how far we have to go, just how much progress actually needs to be made. It our society will always be a work in progress, but um it's up to all of us with intersectional identities and those who don't have intersectional identities as well to just to, to go out and to make the change that we want to see in society. Yeah, hundred percent. And you're right about becoming the resource and becoming, you know, I know that's, you know, when we first met and stay in touch over the years, it's been, um, you know, just talking through this and it, it, there's so much more to do. And, you know, people that are not necessarily in tune with sort of these, these barriers or these things that happen. And then, you know, I'm just going to throw this out there. Then you get here um you know as as much as this is a nice expression and you know a welcome mat in of sorts you know devro bring your full authentic self to work right and it's like well i i don't know <laughs> i don't know what that is or i'm i've yeah. i've gotten to it now but for years i wasn't really able to open up my full full authentic self and then 
why at work would I be doing that? Um, you know, what, it, you know, anyways, I, I just want to mention that because I think sometimes a lot of organizations, groups, others, they, they think about it as, you know, well, let's, let's put the welcome mat out, but, but sometimes what you're asking of that individual and depending on, especially reflecting on some of your friends and, and that you talked about is they might not be capable of that. Yep, it's exhausting being being energy being yourself is sometimes a very exhausting endeavor because you've just never been used to being yourself, um, and that's completely okay because we're all on a journey, right? And sometimes you know the protagonist will have one or two chapters where they're completely exhausted, they're in the mud, down on their luck. But you know what? It's it's up to you if you want it to be one or two chapters, right? You need to always push yourself. But even pushing yourself requires a lot of energy that sometimes you just don't have. And sometimes you just need that helping hand. Um, but I think one thing that I would like to emphasize for any young person watching this, going through struggles with their identity of any sorts, is that your life is a story. And hardships are, do your best to make it a chapter, right? Uh, people will sometimes be in your life um, you, you think, and you think they're going to be there forever, but they're real. But the fact of the matter is, they're probably going to be a chapter of that of, of of the story of your life, right? And you are the author of your own story. You determine your own destiny. Uh, but sometimes it's okay to ask for someone's help for when you're writing one or two chapters of it. There's nothing wrong with that. And it's just a matter of finding that support system. That support system, the group of friends or professionals or mentors, they will give you, <laughs> you know, the wisdom and the objective view that sometimes you really just need to just break that glass ceiling that exists within your head. Because um, sometimes it's just a matter of just changing the way you think about something. Sometimes it's very huge, like, you know, needing to physically change your environment. Other times it's something as small as changing your daily habits and, <clears throat> It just requires you to be very open and honest with people who genuinely care about you and want what's best for you. And that is one thing that I think COVID has made very difficult, making friends, maintaining friendships. It's all just, it's so exhausting. Um, that's the unfortunate thing, but that's a, a good thing because I think it teaches you to manage your energy and teaches you to be wise with who you put your energy in and your time with. Yeah, thank you so much. This has been, this. Yeah, I, I knew when we got into this section of this podcast, it was going to be really meaningful and really inspiring and insightful. And, and you know, thank you for, for being you and for sharing that. And for our listeners, um, you know, great, great insights into ways to think and, and ways to approach life and, and think differently about things. You know, as we think about, um, you know, also, uh, you know, I we talk about values, right? And we talk about... Um, how your values are important. And we also sometimes do define ourselves by what we do versus who we are. And I've been really trying to work very closely with young people to start to try to change that narrative. And, you know, it's great, you know, whatever your credentials are and your grades and all that stuff. But, you know, what really determines success in my opinion in life and in professional and personal is, you know, standing for something, having values and, and skills that enable you to pursue your dreams. Um, would would you spend a few minutes just maybe talking a little bit about values and skills and how that's helped um, you throughout your experiences so far? Yep. So in terms of skills, um, you know, going into university, the one thing that I I got this one amazing mentor. She is literally like 
<laughs> um, I don't know if she wants to be mentioned, so I won't mention her, but she literally achieved everything that any type of uh, student would want to in, in, in a business program, right? She's an investment banker now, highly successful. Um, she was my teaching assistant and, you know, one day in, um, sorry, she was my TA. And one day, you know, in one of our tutorials, she said, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm working with this club. Um, I'm looking to mentor students. So if any of you are interested in joining this or learning more about university life or anything, just come to me and I will help you. So I was struggling at the time. So I go up to her and I'm like, hi, can you please be my mentor? And she went and she showed me the ropes of everything, right? She told me that, like, um, she, she, she taught me a lot of the foundational stuff that I know today, right? Like how to network, how to build a resume, all these things. Um, and throughout, and one thing that I learned about, you know, developing general life skills um, in general is that you will be torn down and rebuilt a million and a half times. And that the more you go through it, the better you will be at it, right? The, the one biggest piece of advice I give any new student or any newcomer to Canada is to start start early and to just be open-minded and to just be honest, right? If you're a first year, I always tell all the first year students I know, start networking now. You don't have a LinkedIn, make a LinkedIn. You don't have social media, make it and start connecting with people, right? You don't know how to network, network with me, start off with me, um, talk to your friends, talk to your family, talk to professors, to your teaching assistants, right? Understand how people think, right? And what their motives are for wanting to talk to you, right? And then just try to understand social dynamics in general. So in terms of skills, again, I'm going to reiterate this again, start early and um, start, right, start early and just always ask questions and always ask for help because when you're young, people have low expectations for you, right? Like if you're a first year student, no one expects much out of you. They know that you're just a kid and you just want to learn. So just become a sponge and just soak in, oh, sorry, just soak in as much um, information as you can. Um, and in terms of values, well, values are very social, right? And this kind of goes back to um, the what I said about, you know, the groups of people that we keep around us. Um, make sure you have a good friend group and make sure you are you're communicating with them, right? And make sure, you know, you, you, you talk with older people, right? Older people who are out of your, out of the loop of your social circle, right? And sometimes, you know, you would share a story about this fun interaction you had with your friends to like a parent or grandparent or family friend, and they'll tap you on your shoulder and say, hey, that actually was completely out of bounds what they did to you, right? So it's very important to have a good social circle because that social circle determines your values, it determines your boundaries, your limits, and what not only you allow other people to do to you, but what you do to other people and, and how you approach them and interact with them and, and even how you see the world. So when it comes to values, have a good group of friends and always be critical of your friendships, right? And I know that may sound bad, right? But sometimes that friend that you've had for 16, 17 years is like, sometimes you realize that these types of friendships, like they only exist because of time. Um, <clears throat> and a lot of the time, right, you need to think about the future. And if when thinking about the future, if that runs at odds with your friendships, then maybe you need to view your friendships or relationships very differently because any type of healthy, productive relationship or friendship that, that pushes you to be a better person would automatically be in your vision of your future. So when it comes to values, again, I cannot say this enough, have a good group of people around you. 
good-hearted, kind people, those who want the best for you and that you want the best for. Um, and if you have that, then the world's your the world's your oyster. Go go have at it. You will conquer any problem that you will uh, face. And yeah, <laughs> that's my speech. yeah. No, that's that's really good advice. And it, it you know surrounding yourself with with good people is so important. And you know, and as relationships mature and change, and over time, and I like how you referred back to that with you know someone maybe of sixteen years or what have you. But um, you know things change, the world changes, priorities change, things are different. And, and sometimes it's okay to, to develop new sets of, of groups of people that are there and are present in what your, your value system is and um, what, how you, you know, view things. And also, um, of course, have challenging conversations and stimulations, but, um, you know, it's, it's that, it's that idea of having, you know, good people that are there for you and, and wanting the best for you, um, and 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 trying to figure that out. I, I agree a hundred percent. Even when it comes to networking, sometimes um, you know I tell individuals you might meet someone, and it's just for that reason. You just you know kind of had a coffee chat, you had a discussion, and and that's it. And but you may have picked something up, and then you know like how we met, and we continue the conversation, and it became more like from a reason to a season, and talking about other opportunities and connecting and. And then it can sometimes be like a lifetime where you've actually are connected and, you know, just have some common ground and interest and, um, and it's a mutually beneficial as all relationships should be, um, opportunities. So, you know, that ties all right back to values and also to your job and also to the companies you work for. And, you know, I, I've seen people working in organizations and they're just not happy with the way things go. And it's, you know, then take note of that. And if it's misaligning. To your value system then time to go right like yeah and, and there's nothing wrong with having your values challenged right but that said um it's that's always very it's a sensitive topic having your values challenged right because there's a difference between like a good challenge that makes sense and others that are just like what the hell right and yeah, yeah. And another thing when it comes to values more specifically and more generally, right, is you don't always have to agree with someone else's values, but it's very beneficial to understand where they're coming from, right? Because people's values are based off of their own personal experience, right? So I know people with with very, very, very conservative values, very um, values that take me back, but then I get to know them. And then it all starts making sense, right? And know more about the way that they were brought up and the experiences they had in life, right? So you don't always have to agree with everyone's values. You don't have to agree with everyone's challenge. But I would challenge anyone who's facing that type of situation to understand why the other person is challenging them. And once you have that type of mindset, then you will realize that, um, you, then you will begin to realize more diverse perspectives. And then from there, if even though you don't agree with it, understand it. And then from there, you will do nothing but grow, right? Try to understand yeah. the other side at the very least. And I think that that's what our society lacks a lot of in the present. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as you think about, um, you know, and I know we're moving towards and then seems to take a step back and then a step forward with the COVID-19 mm -hmm. pandemic and thinking about, you know, around the corner. And is there one thing that you're looking forward to maybe doing or getting back to or maybe discovering <laughs> well first thing we'll have to object that the the covet is around the corner and that the end of this is is near i don't think it's near we're going to have to yeah, deal yeah. with this for the next five six years potentially with the booster shot every year potentially so um we're not going to escape covid's grasp for a long time <laughs> 
but I see what you're saying. If I were to wave a magic wand and have COVID gone the next minute, the one thing I'm looking forward to do is to just travel and to see my family again and to go and like, I'm a big foodie just like you, Brian, and I want to go to Thailand and Japan and China and just try all that delectable street food. Um, I can't nice. go home and to hug my grandmom, um, to go to the beach. I love Ontario, but these beaches are grimy. I hate freshwater beaches. I need that hot <laughs> salt water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's such a, that's such a topic on itself between lake people and beach people. It's a, right. It's a different story. Uh, it's so funny. I, I have those conversations often because I just got back from the beach and that was, you know, Atlantic hot ocean with salt and yeah i hear you um wow i can't believe uh it's been such a great conversation catching up with you and again i always enjoy our conversations and get so much uh conversations and uh understanding from you about different ideas and thoughts and it's so great to catch up today but i was wondering if you had any um you know, kind of thinking about last minute any any kind of final thoughts for you know, folks that might be listening in, you know, either, you know, struggling, thinking, wanting to do different things, um, and, and maybe going off to school this fall, or maybe starting their first job or, or any of the above, but do you have any last minute thoughts for today's listeners? Um, well, first I will leave it with some like advice then. Um, so for anyone going through a moment of change where they just don't know how to deal with it. First of all, get friends that are older than you and get and make connections with people who are in the spots of society or who are doing the things that you want to um and develop a good repertoire with them and if you're in a position where you where you don't know how to do that then look then i will just offer myself up right just feel free to add me on social media and to connect with me right i have no problem you know talking and thinking things out with you but um more generally speaking um for uh, for any of the listeners the one thing that I would challenge all of you to do is to just not make plans and to just go with the flow. And <laughs> that's, I know it's, it sounds like, you know, very cliche, but going with the flow is where all things, just like a river, right? River changes its banks very often every so while. River doesn't have a set plan and I don't think neither should we. Have an open mind, have a good friend group, be have the mindset where you're always challenging yourself and having your views challenged and and put yourself in opportunities where you can grow that's the biggest hint of advice i can give to anyone and don't be afraid to challenge your own deeply held beliefs um because if they're true they will stand your challenge and if they're true then they will stand the challenge of other people as well um but yeah that's the kind of like the final thoughts that i have <laughs> awesome awesome well um, I, I, again, it's just great to catch up and I'm um, so glad that we had the chance to sit down on this day and um, thank you for, for being part of the show and, and, and sharing so many great thoughts and ideas and insights. It's much appreciated. Oh, no worries, Brian. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Well, for our listeners, if you liked what you heard today, please share this podcast with your network. Please continue to tune in for more upcoming episodes. This has been Coffee with Convery, and until next time, please stay well.